This is Pastor Matt at North Plinko Baptist Church. We want to thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Not Another Revelation Podcast. We hope you guys enjoy. All right, well, let's go ahead and get started. Um, so we just finished up with the sixth angel blowing his trumpet, and then we get this break. Um, sh- the, the scene shifts. Uh, it's, you know, we joked last week, uh, that we get almost a kind of a back in the throne room kind of moment. And it starts out with, then I saw. Uh, and so... So we're shifting visions. We're, we're going again, like you kind of said, from, from different of, of where we've been. You've, been. you've kind of been on the same wavelength for, uh, what, since chapter 8 or so? Since chapter 8. Yeah, since chapter 8. And so now we're going through... Uh, where, where John's wrapping up and, and he's starting to wind down and then we pause for a second and we roll into something different, which again, me reading it, it's one of those things where from how we process things, how we think, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's like <laughs> we're building, we're telling a story, things are going and, and, and we're getting closer to, okay, we've gone through the sixth trumpet and now, okay, well, it was after six, we know there's seven, so where's the seventh one? And as things are getting bad, as people aren't repenting, the world is crazy, stop. It just doesn't, it's one of those things, again, that we've talked about in how Revelation reads. It's one of those breaks that, okay, remember what we just were talking about. Remember all that momentum we had. We're going to pause. We're going to come back to it in just a moment. But now there's something else. And it's just a lot to remember and make sure keeping in mind how Revelation reads, that it's just kind of, it's this, we roll and we roll and then we pause. And then we come, <laughs> That's and right. We start rolling again and we'll mention it. We'll mention some of the stuff that we were at before we pause, but now we're talking about different stuff and it's just, it, it reads differently. So just keeping all those things in mind that this is one of those parenthetical pauses. Uh, and then we'll, and after we're done with that, after that parenthesis is done on this pause, we'll roll right back into what we were talking about before. And, and it's just new stuff to keep in mind. So we're going to, we see in 4 1, 7 1, uh, 7 9, 15 5, 18 1, and 19 1, this little expression, then I saw or mm-hmm. I saw. So we know that we're starting a new vision. This isn't linear, this isn't what follows. Uh, This is literally, if you're watching a TV show that kind of jumps around, we've gone back to the throne room. We... I, I read one commentator that, it, and I kind of like this, and I kind of don't described it as um, you, you're, you're having a dream, and something happens in the room, you wake up, and then you go back to sleep, and there's some similarities there, but but it's, but it's a new new the, the tacos are hitting differently then. Yeah, so whatever so, for whatever gives you whatever gives you dreams. Whatever analogy helps you the most, the main thing to realize is is we have we've stopped the the linear flow of. That, that went from seals to seven trumpets, seven trumpets to seven thunders, which we're going to see in a minute, and we're not allowed to see what those are, and then from those to uh, the seven vials. So that, that linear flow is broken now, and we have uh, a really symbolic scene. Yeah. And so one of the things that's really, it's hard for us in the book of Revelation is, is back in chapter nine, it seemed like, okay, now granted, we've got, you know, the the horse, lion-headed horse, snake butt creatures. These weird locust people. Right. So, but we're more seated in, okay, so this is what's really happening. We have, okay, so this happened for five months and then this number of people died and we're going to go from that to super symbolic. Mm-hmm. It's like David Lynch wrote this this <laughs> scene. And so we, we, we've got to kind of wrap our brain around the fact that we're going to see the word like 
like 17 times yeah, in this chapter. That's a lot. Um, a lot of symbolism. We got to pay attention. But again, we're still using kind of that same hermeneutic of we're not going to overcomplicate things. We're not going to get in the middle of um, guessing what symbolism is. We're right. just going to try to figure out. Uh, and in a lot of ways, these throne room scenes tie together in a way where we're jumping out of the linear what's happening on earth. So it really is that kind of, um, meanwhile, back in the throne room, yeah. way to look at it, it that just like when we, we saw the throne and the symbolism of the rainbow and the colors and this means this. Uh, well, you see often how heaven looks and it's referenced in some of the the things happening on earth, uh, the, the some of the... the um, construction of the temple and how those things are laid out versus what it looks like in heaven and some of those things. I mean, so you're getting, I mean, you're getting a pretty vivid picture of what heaven looks like. It's just kind of coming, it's coming down, it's coming down the ramp in bits and pieces here. Right. And if you're trying to picture this in your mind, which a lot of visual learners do, we're getting into some territory uh, that's really hard to picture. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, so then I saw, so we were firing off the new, new vision, another mighty angel. Now, we got to pause here for a minute because, you know, we've, I know we've said this so much that, that you're getting tired of hearing it, but a lot of commentators disagree about who this angel oh, is. It, it seems like there's two camps. One is, is this is a post-incarnation Christophany? Yes. Yeah. So that this is Jesus, essentially. And that gets the references to some of the things that have happened in the descriptions of, of Jesus earlier in Revelation. And I've got some of that stuff right now because we talked with the students about it. Um, clothed with the cloud that you're going to see, that, that's the reference of some stuff that happened in chapter in chapter 1, I believe. Uh, there's another rainbow, so we saw that earlier with the lamb coming in chapter right. 4. Uh, the feet like the sun, that's a description after chapter 1. The feet like pillars of fire, another description of chapter 1. So, I mean, there are some similarities-ish, but... As you'll develop and see, this is not, this, there's more similarities to other things rather than right. this is Jesus. And, and I, I'm not convinced it's Jesus. For, and, and let me just kind of list it out. First is the word another. Right. Uh, he says, and then I saw another mighty angel. And again, I don't want to get too deep into Greek, but this is allos, which is one just like what we just said. So he's, he, another here is a Greek word that means just like what I was talking about, and he's just been talking about the seven angels with, with the trumpets on their lips, ready to blow. And so as he's describing it, he's saying it's another. And so it's another, but it's a mighty angel coming down from uh, heaven. And so the other thing that really keeps me from, from looking at this Christologically is the way that the angel swears. It says um, that he swears by... Him who lives forever and ever, who created earth, what it is, the earth and what is in it, the sea and what is in it, and there would be no more delay. So he's swearing essentially in Jesus' name. Right. If it was Jesus, he wouldn't do that. Well, and, and uh, what I was, I was just, learning, you might have heard my page there. I went back to, again, G, uh, John uses, I saw a mighty angel in the first two verses of chapter five. And so this is where it comes in where he says, another mighty angel. If it was the, if it was the same one, which some people say, okay, it's the same one from chapter five, but it's not because he says another. So it's, it's different. Right. And then again, never in scripture is, or at least in the new Testament, do we see Jesus referenced as angelic it's, it, it's right. not he's not an angel that's not how that works that's not how he's described now you see him described as the lamb as, as different as different things that he's been referenced as before but never in the new testament is he referenced as an angel and that's not going to pop up here in revelation it's, that's not going to all of a sudden change and really confuse us that's not what it's about 
Right. So we've seen a couple of mighty angels. And when I'm thinking of mighty angels in the Bible as a whole, this isn't the first time that one's going to pop up. If you look at 1 Corinthians 21, we see the Lord sending an angel to Jerusalem to destroy it. After David had sinned and and numbered the nation, Mm -hmm. uh, God gave David a choice of what he wanted his punishment to be. He chose the wrath of God. because he said that God's mercy endures forever. So that's what I pick. And so God sends this angel to destroy Jerusalem. And the Lord, the angel is described uh, as standing over Jerusalem with a threshing, uh, I mean, with a sword in his hand, destroying things. So you have this huge angelic creature. This is exactly what description we get here. Yeah, the whole standing, powerful, the both physical and, and, and maybe um, the, the symbolic re- uh, picture here of this huge being standing with power, with presence, with authority. Uh, this is not something to be messed with. This is something to take notice of. And you see, again, like you said, the same description there in the Old Testament that you see that similar standing uh, wordage and language here in chapter 10. So he's so tall. That he's wrapped in a cloud. Yeah, that's that's pretty tall. It's large. I, I um, when I was teaching through this with uh, the church, I brought it brought to mind. I remember when I was the first time I ever got to go to New York, that my youth pastor at the time, Randall Reeves, had put together this. Uh, trip up the World Trade Center. It was, so It was a choir trip, wasn't it? No. Are you serious? No, it was a missions trip. We Randall went, didn't do a choir trip? Well, I, I mean, we not sang. That, not that. Okay. Well, yeah, it was okay. But but it wasn't it wasn't a choir trip. We 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 had gone to Philadelphia to work with uh, do backyard Bible clubs to mm-hmm. inner city mm-hmm. kids, and then we 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 jaunted for like a day up to New York. And uh, those of you who may from the southeast Alabama area or northeast Alabama area who know Randall Rays, he had everything very well planned. Hundred percent, still does. And uh, so we showed up at the World Trade Center. We had a tour planned. We took the elevators up, and I for some reason I can remember my fourteen year old self being super excited about <laughs> being on the top of the World Trade Center. I probably had a penny in my pocket, planning to drop it off the edge to see if it would actually cut somebody in half. And so. Uh, we get there and you're looking out this glass. You're in the World Trade Center. You're not actually outside. Yeah. Um, and they could have had me in the basement and then put had me looking at a big glass of milk and I wouldn't have known the difference because the cloud cover <laughs> was so tight that it was just looking at it white. Yeah. Uh, so once you get to a certain height, um, I mean, it wasn't a cloudy, particularly cloudy day. Yeah. Uh, you're just up in the clouds. Those of you who have gone to Gatlinburg, to uh, I, I have several times in my life gone to ride the tail of the snake, and several times, uh, like in the morning or late afternoon, it will be so misty that it's like, okay, this is taking my life in my own hands. This isn't just exciting. This is really dangerous because I mean, yeah, you've seen picturesque of like uh, Everest where people climb it. Eventually, get to a point where. You can't see anything else. Right. The whiteout. It's just white. So this angel is so tall that he's wrapped in a cloud. So you're essentially looking at a waist and legs because you can't see <laughs> above. Well, that's not funny because if the angel <laughs> shut up right now, I'd be terrified. But just think it's like, wow, that is a huge calf. That, that is, that is, that is a, a large dude the, right yeah, there. That is the biggest big toe I have ever seen. <laughs> like, right. like all of Africa is just the dude's big toe. Like I don't know how big it is or whatever, but it thinks huge. So you, he's got a rainbow over his head, and this is the same word used in 4-3 for a rainbow. Right. Um, if you are in fly, I've never seen this in real life. I've seen pictures of it on the Internet. If you're flying above a rainbow, it's actually a circle. Okay. Um, and so 
because of the way that the, the you're looking at the sunlight through water molecules, it, it's prisming out the different colors of the spectrum. And so this ain't, if you can think in your mind like a halo around his head, he's got a rainbow. And I want to remind us that the rainbow is symbolic of God. That is his bow. He yeah. said to Noah, I will place my bow in the clouds to remind you of this covenant. And so that's showing that he's, he's sent from God. It's showing that that uh, he is working with the authority of, God's, uh, of God. It uh, it's kind of like in the first century, this idea of an ambassador, which is someone that comes to speak for the king. You treat him like he's the king. And you recognize that his job is not to give his opinion, what he thinks. His job is to represent what the government that has sent him is saying, whether he likes it or not. Right. And so that rainbow around his head is showing that he is coming sent from Yahweh. Uh, this isn't just some, you know, it's not like the uh, lion, horse, snake critters that are just destructive and they're doing their own thing. Yeah. He is coming sent by God with order, with control. And so he, he has the rainbow around his head. His face is like the sun. And so the sun's pretty bright. Yeah. Well, and something cool about this is kind of goes to a point where to show where this is not Jesus, because we're not seeing again, if, if from the timeline that we look at in revelation, which can be confusing, which can be, can bog you down a little bit, but we don't we, we don't see Jesus come back until after the tribulation. Like that's that's the timeline of how this lines up. And so if Jesus can, if this was if, if again with some scholars say this is Jesus, man, that really throws a kink in this timeline. And so this this is even more proof of of him of of this presence of who this is of how this looks. This is not this is not Jesus in some different form because we don't see that happen again in the New Testament. And if that would again really throw a kink in the timeline of all this. And so even the more that this angel is described in detail, you see this that this it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense here. And, and I think the reason. Why why the commentators want him to be Jesus is because of the authority that he has. Right. And I see some of the similarities, again, face like the sun, the rainbow that we see earlier. And I can see the logic of, okay, yeah, maybe this is, but it's just, when you look at the details and look at another mighty angel, look at the language, it's just simply right. with some detail, not. So his face is like the sun and, um, we're, we're recording this on a November day in Alabama, so it's like only 80 degrees or so outside. I walked out this morning, I was like, there's no stinking way. I'm in shorts and a t-shirt. There is no stinking way. This is awful. Um, but even on a, a, a hazy-ish November day, you cannot walk outside and just stare at the sun without burning your retinas out. Ever, really. Like, that's just, uh, just again, PSA. No one do that. <laughs> do, do not go, do not try this at home kind of thing. Don't just go stare at the sun because you're bored. And, and there are people that literally burn the impression during an eclipse onto their eyeballs because the sun doesn't get less bright. Something's just in front of it. <laughs> and as, as a species being human, sometimes we do some stupid things. The, the light rays didn't just disappear. Beer. That's right. Something blocking us at the moment. So I, I uh, the funny story when I was I was ten, because it was in 1980. There was a, a partial eclipse in the United States, uh -huh. and so me and a bunch of my friends, I was uh, at my grandmother's house, and a bunch of buddies are over, and we were watching it on TV. Mm -hmm. And my grandmother came in with a broom and was like, "Oh my, you're gonna burn your eyes out. Y'all get outside and play and quit watching that." Uh, eclipse, and I'm like, "Wait, now if we go outside." Hold on a second. <laughs> 
So don't stare at the sun. And this guy's face is as bright as the sun. Since we've already heard that he's clothed in clouds, his face, the brightness of his face is shining through, burning through these clouds. His legs are like pillars of fire. So that lets us know that there's strength, that he's coming in judgment. And uh, a big roaring fire is really intimidating. Well, and you see uh, outside of the fire from all other places, you can see the byproduct of this fire. Like Absolutely. You see smoke like from anywhere. Uh, again, this is not to be insensitive, but recently in our community, we had a large fire. And from a- almost everywhere within a certain mile radius, you could see, hey, something's going down there. Like something, something's happening. And is this, you know, somebody just having a big burn pile? And it turns out, unfortunately, it was apartments and nobody was hurt, right. which is great. We're thankful for. But you see that over the over trees and over clouds. You right. see the byproduct of that. It's, it's, it's very noticeable when there's large fire. And uh, we had uh, a, a bonfire here at the church one time that um, out in the park, we had had a bunch of trees that we had trimmed up. And so we had a pile and then we had someone that had torn a deck down, like a redwood deck. Yeah. And they're like, can I just throw that wood on the burn pile? Sure, absolutely. And then somebody else, through uh, some storms, some other members were like, hey, we, we just cut some tree limbs instead of taking them to dump since it's just wood. Can we put it? So we had a huge yeah. bonfire. Uh, and uh, thankfully, we had called the the city of Gadsden's fire department and said, hey, we're burning this. You guys may want to have a truck handy in case it gets out of hand. Because I knew it was, I mean, there's probably two storms stories tall. Mm. Um, we lit this bad boy off and, um, it was, a it was a Friday night post football game. Um, so it was, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night and it was so bright that underneath the clouds, the reflection off the cloud, you could see all over Etowah County because the fire marshal had I'm sorry, the fire chief for Gadsden had come out to just stand around and, and, and you know, it's a political opportunity and he gets to glad hand and stuff and, and to help us out. And uh, he was joking with me. They were getting calls from as far as away as Atala that there's, which for those of you that don't live here, that's like 10, 15 miles yeah. away. That, that there, because the, of the light from this fire reflecting off the bottom of the clouds made this really eerie glow all over Edwall County. Well, those of us that were there, you know, we had a had 100 kids here maybe. And so when it first starts you've got kids being kids so they're getting close to the fire and they're throwing stuff into the fire once that redwood deck in the middle of this thing caught and it was you know probably eight nine hundred degrees on that fire everyone instinctively backed away from the fire so that i saw that my junior high kids who are running around being stupid are like all the way across the park (laughs) they're not up near the fire everybody instant and to the point that i'm starting to go uh you know this tree that's 30 feet away hey uh chief uh <laughs> how close is that uh, also that's really strange we're talking about fire guess who just put up in the back parking lot the gadsden fire extinguisher how well, there you go that? they heard us the, they, they got ptsd they started rolling back over here <laughs> so they're gonna come say hey <laughs> so his legs are strong they're intimidating you instinctively want to get away from them there's that's coming on them, off of them. Um, and then we get to, as if, you know, this, this has all been really easy to understand up to this. It says he had a little book. Now, um, little book in English would make me, my think what thoughts would be, um, this is a different book and this is some strange little book. Let's first of all, let's, let's talk about how in Greek you make something small. So it's just like in Spanish, uh, you have an ending you put on a word that makes it diminutive. So in Spanish, if you're talking about a, uh, a donkey, a, a burro, a burro, then if you want it to be, you want to say, hey, that was a little donkey, you would say a burrito. 
And so, so you've been eating a little donkey yep. when you've been eating a burrito. Uh, so in, in Greek, it's the same way. So he's just using the word biblion, same word that's being used, uh, that was used for the scroll uh, earlier in the book is now being used, but it has a diminutive. And I'm going to argue that this is the scroll. Um, it's either the scroll that we talked about at the first part of the chapter, the title deed to earth, or it's the little book that he's writing in. And I think we'll see that as we, we, we build this up. And I, I personally think it's the scroll. And let me kind of walk us through why that is. So in 5.1, we, 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 we see Biblion used, and here it is, uh, has a diminutive on it. Rather than distinguishing this book from the one, and I'm just going to read from John MacArthur's commentary. Rather than distinguishing this from the one in chapter 5, the diminutive form merely adds a further description of it in this version. The book needed to be made small for the sake of the symbolism in the vision, since John was going to eat it, the use of the perfect participle, uh, which was open, emphasizes the idea of the scroll being open, having been open, and is to remain open. So, again, not trying to get too deep into Greek. Greek has a, a past perfect form that say, when it says the little book that is opened is in the Greek, it's saying that was opened in the past. We saw Jesus pop the seven seals opening that scroll. Why would John have a callback to the book that was opened mm -hmm. unless it was referring to that scroll? Um, my thinking is, is that the little book that he sees here is the same book that we saw in 5.1 and now it's given to John. Wow, I for some reason just skipped like a whole section. Yeah, I was just like, we didn't even get we didn't even get into who the who the angel. Oh, because the angel's got it in his hand. Yeah, John's not eating it yet. Everybody, forget <laughs> that I said that he eats it. Um, I've lost my place in the notes here. So the angel's got in his hand a little book. I was like, we're going to wrap this up. This is going to be easy. Yes, yeah, right. you'll have a great little short week. <laughs> no, um, and one of the other things is is if we got a mighty angel who has one leg on the ocean, one leg on the sea, any book in his hand is going to look like a little book. Yeah. Especially if it's small enough to where, and for some reason I'm seeing one of those like Hanna-Barbera cartoons. <laughs> uh, what was the, the, the um, American Indian that could shrink and grow in size? Oh, oh, oh my goodness. This, oh my goodness. What is his name? Ah, oh, oh, I can't think. Anyway. I'm, I'm, you, you keep talking. I'm looking So he's got the book in his hand and he's going to give it to John. So that's why we get into the little book because he had a little scroll open in his hand. He set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. Now that's important because in it, the symbolism that we're looking at, we're seeing here that this angel has dominion, call back to the rainbow, over both land and sea. There, now for a first century reader, the idea of the ocean was a little bit scary because, uh, you know, the only thing typically that came over the ocean was b bad. If you were hanging out or near a coastal uh, city and saw boats that you didn't recognize pulling up, they were probably not bringing Samaritan's purse gifts. Yeah, they were. <laughs> it was not the pilgrims. It was not the pilgrims. Maybe, also, unless that's from the perspective of the American Indians, then yes. Then As a yes, matter of fact, it yeah, was well, the pilgrims. 
uh, so, uh, from, uh, from occurrences that we'd have historically, one time, it was the Pilgrims. <laughs> Other than that, it was not good. You saw the, uh, even back up Scandinavian European stuff, so you roll up and see the Vikings coming at you, that is bad Yes, news. yes. If you're a monk hanging out rough. in Ireland and all of a sudden you're like, oh, look, there's some ah, there's some Swedish people. Maybe they're bringing meatballs. Wow, what? I hope they bring some furniture that's really hard to put together. What nice beards is not. <laughs> no. That did not last. Those <laughs> mitts did not last long. Also, follow up, Apache Chief. Oh, Apache Chief. Apache Chief. <laughs> I can hear the <laughs> sound as he would get bigger in my head. Um, and, and wow, did we have some racially insensitive cartoons we when did. we were kids. That is not something you should call anybody. <laughs> That's not how it should go. I mean, at least it didn't make up, like, again, I'm not, not going to say the name, but what the Braves, the, the Atlanta Braves did in, uh, in, like, the in the 70s with their mascot. Oh, yeah. Their chief, that one, that one was rough. It, that one it was, was Nakahoma. Yeah, that's. Not, <laughs> I didn't want to say that because that is, I think that's insensitive. I don't know if that was ever really needed. It's just knock a home run. Like, that's what <laughs> exactly. Like, it's like, that's tough. That is not something we should have said. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know what? Ignorance is not bliss. No. So here, here you've got this huge angel. He's got dominion over both the sea where, uh, where there's mystery, there's strangeness, there's, there's, Things that we don't know, even if it's if it's a trading ship, it's bringing new and strange foreign, strange, foreign stuff, unknown. And then one foot on the land, which is is more you know your average human's domain. And so he, God has dominion over both. There's no place. David said, though I, I no, if I'm in the dark, God is there. If I'm in the light, God is there. If I, if I ascend to the heavens, God is there. If I descend to the pits of hell, God is there. God has dominion over everything. He is sovereign. If the book of Revelation doesn't assure you of anything, you have to walk away with the, with the assurance from the book of Revelation that uh, God is in control and he has dominion he has authority and even as uh you know the the lion-headed uh snake-butted horses are running around they can only go and do what god tells them that they can i still think big old angel which it's again it may this this is maybe not linear but even if this angel shows back up on the scene he could probably two or three stomps and he's taking out a lot of lion-headed snake-butt people uh, absolutely so he's got one foot on the sea his left foot on the land showing God dominions over creation. And then he calls out with a loud voice like a lion roaring. So uh, those of you who are live in the Gadsden area can remember because I think the lion at Nakla Falls passed away like last year. Yeah. But I can I can remember in the last two or three years being at the falls, walking through the woods with my kids, you know, and you're you're going down the trail to go into the falls or something, and then all of a sudden hearing that low deep rumble, and, and this is like an old toothless. Uh, they have to like you know uh, grind up his meat because he so, was so old. Yeah, he 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 vicious was not. Which again doesn't mean I'm not gonna play patty cake with him. No, but it wasn't as tenacious as maybe a wild lion per se. And even even with the pawpaw line, you could be walking through the woods and you would hear that low kind of ta -ta 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 sound that he would make, and you stop and go. uh... <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> you, like, you, it's one of those, any time that you can say there's some sort of sound and you can feel it, like you can feel sound, yes. that is a scary moment. And, and the very fact that, that lions aren't, don't even have to open their mouth to make that low, deep yeah. rumble, when they do are calling to each other, um, 
again, you know, shameless plug for um, Na- Nature is Metal uh, Instagram group. Dude, listen to some of those. It's scary stuff. I mean, it will will make the hair stand up on the back of your head. Yeah. Everything in our body, in the human body and mind goes, uh, no, <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Uh, so with the sound like a lion roaring, he calls out and the seven thunder sounded. So at, at the moment, this is not like, remember with the seals, it goes one, two, three, this happened and this happened. And it was all kind of linear with the seven trumpets. It w- made sense. It was kind of linear. Yeah. This happened and it's naturally going to cause the next thing to happen with this at the one speaking of his voice, that loud sound like a lion roaring, like thunder, seven thunders occur John being obedient to what God had told him to do starts to write it down Uh, John had been commanded at the beginning of uh, in chapter 1 verse 10 it says when I was in the spirit on the Lord's day I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches and so John has been commanded what you see write it down so John whips out his notebook he starts to write down what's going on with the seven thunders and he's immediately told Nope, don't write it down, cover it up. Yeah. And this is the, the re- remember that Revelation is a English translation of the Greek word for apocalypse, which means an unveiling. And so the opposite word is, is used here, cover it up, seal it up. Mm-hmm. Don't let this information out. And I cannot tell you how many commentators try to figure out what the seven thunders are. Yeah, I, again, I am one who's going to try to not water things down because that's not what we want. We don't want to water down scripture, but take it for what's there. And if he says it's covered up, then guess what? I'm not, I'm not supposed to know it's covered up. I don't care how many PhDs in eschatology you have from what fine universities. Um, you don't know what the seven thunders are. No, no idea. And again, you're making it up as you go along. Just as we can, we can do with all the things, with the things we don't know, we could sit here and, you know, spill tons and like truckloads and truckloads of ink on this. But the reality of it is, even at our best attempt, even at your at my very best educated attempt, it's probably going to be nowhere close. Even on some of the context clues we do have, like a locust, like a snake, like a like a horse's head, like whatever, all of those. Th- even at our our best attempts, it's not. We're going. This is going to be something from a, from another galaxy, unworldly, right. absolutely different. And I could, I mean, I don't even know. I don't even, and again, even if you're trying to assume seven thunders, what even what contextually, what are you even trying to pull here to use that? One of the, the commentators that I was reading this morning as I was preparing for this was going into this whole thing about weather patterns because it's thunder. And I'm like, okay, so we are stretching. the seven seals weren't all about uh, wax or letters. No. The seven trumpets. Didn't what about have... music? I mean, it wasn't. <laughs> so that doesn't make any sense at all. It wasn't the, the seven of trumpets of evil smooth jazz. Like, that <laughs> no. was, that's, not, that's not how that worked. Um, I, I'm thinking elevator music now. You took me from <laughs> Apache Chief to elevator music. <laughs> what a day. Uh, so it's not uncommon in the middle of prophetic utterances in the Bible for there to be a section that God chooses uh, in his sovereign wisdom to say, I'm not going to tell that. In, in Daniel chapter 8, it says, The vision of the evening and the mornings that has been told us is true, but seal up the vision for it refers to many days from now. God, Daniel gets a vision. God says, it's real. It's, I haven't changed my mind. It's going to happen. But you know what? Don't tell anybody. Why did God do that? Um, I don't know. And in Second Corinthians, Paul, in talking about uh, something, says that he uh, talking about being going into the into paradise. He says, um, 
I heard things that cannot be told that man may not utter. I just all I think about is, and it's just like, just for me, the uh, that well, someone's about to tell you something, whether it's just it's it's juicy, it's good information, it's whatever. And people are like, well, it, you know what? I probably just shouldn't say that. Oh God! And you're just like, well, yeah, but, 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 but. it's like I just I would, but you know, I just. I, I just can't. Like, I just feel like that's what, that's all that's happened. I could have that feeling of maybe, yes. the, maybe the, the readers who are reading this in the church, in the early church are saying, but come on. And John's like, I just, like, I, I, can't could, tell I, you. I could, like, I, I know, but I, I just, he just said I couldn't, I just can't. And, and I will say, and this is going to show human nature. Probably whenever I teach on eschatology, one of the most common questions I get is when it says that Jesus has a name that only he knows people ask me. So what's the name? <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, and I really want to go, okay, so the text says only he knows it. I'm not him. Oh, goodness. So this is one of those where, you know what, we don't know what the seven thunders are. And, and I want to end that on Deuteronomy 29, 29 that says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us. And I want us to recognize here that spending so much time and energy and turning our wheels on stuff that the text that specifically says, I've been told to seal it up and not to say it, we need to spend uh, spend our will, spend our time focusing on the things that the Lord has revealed because the things that the Lord has revealed belong to us. We've got to own them. We've got to live out Romans chapter 6. Well, you kind of get to a close spot of, again, the whole... The whole temptation that, that, and I'm not saying, I'm not necessarily saying that the, that those people are sinful. I can definitely say that they're wasting their time, but not saying they're sinful. But the first tactic that one of the, that the devil used was, hey, you do got, you guys know, you guys can know what God knows. And, and you're getting real close to a line of you're trying to, you're, you're maybe trying just to get an insight on what God knows that he says you can't know. But like, if we just, I mean, if we just study hard enough or, or just talk to all these real people, like we'll just know when, guess what? You won't like, that's the way that it was designed. That's the way that he created it. That's the way that it happened. There are things that we are not going to know and finding a rest in the sovereignty of God and, and resting in who, in who God is and what he knows. That is, it should be much more assuring because you know what? I don't have to worry about it. As someone who's sent one of their major sentences is worried to know that I can have another thing. You know what? I'm not, I'm not going to worry about it. You know what? God says not to. God's got in control. I trust that. And I'm not going to stress about it. Instead of worry, if getting yourself worked up over the things that God says, you're just not going to know. I don't want to play God because I would get fired real easy. I don't want to do that. So a really good okay it's, it's not really cheating it's kind of like when you were in third grade and you figured out that 11 times any number is just that number twice and you're like oh my gosh this is so easy or you know are those like any of the, the, any of the, the uh, anything about zero, times zero yeah or any of the uh, the time the nines the nines were easy for me once i figured it out it's like okay go up 10 and just what just it would subtract be, one. Just one more. so like, this is like, that's easier for me this is kind of kind of like one of those secret codes if you're going to the bookstore and anything is trying, any book title is implying that it's secret information, <laughs> new information, or information that's never been discovered before. That in your discernment stuff, that, there you go, that is wrong. <laughs> so Gnosticism, which was the first real big heresy in the church, in fact, there's kind of, Paul even deals with some of the early forms of kind of pre-Gnostic stuff. The whole idea of Gnosticism was, is these group of Christians have some kind of secret knowledge. Mm -hmm. that 
they're able to go to the next level. Anything that says, "Hey, we got some, we got something for you over here that nobody's figured out before." I, I honestly, like I, 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 and I'm, I'm doing American history and stuff like that. You get that. Uh, Equated in kind of the uh, the um, the Revolutionary War kind of stuff with the Freemasons and right. stuff like that. Like some were Christians, pastor other things, and it's kind of a Christian group that does good things, but it also is also secret and nobody ever can know about it. Right. And they're good people, do good things, but what do you do? Well, we can't tell you. It, it's and I'm not getting no, not, by no means I'm saying that Freemasons are sinful. That's not say what I'm saying, but I'm saying that kind of thing where hey, we've got some really good stuff here. But we can't tell anyone ever about it. The new, the new way to get closer to God is not that book is not that's not going to help you. Yeah, the new way. Oh, I, um, I mean, I I'm not trying to slam anybody in particular. Well, I guess I kind of am. When I saw all the the stuff about the new perspectives of Paul, you really lost me in the title. <laughs> because we've had two thousand years of spirit filled, God loving, truth seeking believers. Um, there's probably nothing new. Is there is there secret ink on every Bible ever printed? Like you just get the like the little white black light. You just go over it, and there's just secret. Ah, see, it. yeah, that's yeah, kind of like uh, what's the Declaration of Independence? And uh, national, like national, national treasure. <laughs> Everybody gets their Bible out. It's like, oh my gosh, because this was printed in a factory in like Tulsa or something. Like I don't know where they're printed at and put put up, but it, just, it has no secret ink on it. Some guy just printed it up on, in Tulsa somewhere. So we, we got to move on from this, but we don't know what the seven thunders are. No way. Okay. So then the angel swears by him who lives forever and ever. And uh, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, and the sea and what is in it. So he's swearing by the, the Father and Jesus. Uh, the book of Colossians makes it really clear that everything that is was made by him, through him, for him. John chapter 1. I mean, the, the New Testament is replete with statements that everything that is is for the glorification of, of God, God, and specifically uh, lifting up of the Son because right. God has chosen to magnify him. And so the angel swears by Jesus, and he swears what? He swears that there would be no more delay. That should, that should, that should really, again, this group back from chapter now they have not repented this this angel is out here declaring this it's like look guys this is not good right. this is getting worse so if we're saying that okay you've got kind of you, you you're calling back to the throne room scene that we saw in five and six um then this there's no more delay is referencing uh, Revelation 6, 9, 11, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they'd borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And they were told to wait a little longer. Like It's like you're, you're sitting there and you've seen all, like if you're in the, in the world at this time and you've seen, all the stuff happened and all the bad things and there's like, you know, we've got the trees and the and the bloody oceans and it's been water's bitter and there's been fire and these crazy, you know, locusts and horse headed snake butt people and all these things going on and and then this angel it says, Now he's okay, now he's done playing and you're like, Whoa, 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 whoa. What have we just seen? He was just joking beforehand. <laughs> this was a hint. <laughs> yeah. So it's about to get real because 
all of God's vengeance that has been built up over time because of the persecution of believers from the days of the prophets that were persecuted all the way up to, to today, which, you know, we live in the age of the martyr. Um, and, and, and again, clarifying this, just because somebody maybe refuses you service or treats you differently or maybe mean to you or, or says a sarcastic comment because you're a believer, again, that should not happen. That's, you're not being persecuted. I, I think that's something that gets tossed around too easily is persecution by the church because that's not something I want to say because I, you read and hear stories and you personally have known people who have be on the mission field and stuff who have lost their life, known people who have lost their life and have horrible, horrible things happening to them because of, of, of who they claimed and who they claimed as king. And, and so I am very, uh, I want to be very sensitive to always throw that word around because just because someone looks at me differently because of my cross on my car or something like that, that's not, that's not persecution. That's not what that is. It, it, it's much more about when you lose your life, when your life is altered, affected, life is taken away, people you're close to are taken away. The, the, when it's on that extremes of life being altered and taken away and changed, that, that's persecution. So not you're saying somebody, that the fact that Starbucks has a red coffee cup at Christmas and that's not persecution. That's not, that's not persecution. That, that's not. You're not a martyr. You're not being persecuted. Being persecuted when, when when you. No, somebody at Walmart said Happy Holidays to me. I feel persecuted. That's, that's, that's not. I don't understand. I don't understand that. Look, I mean, like God's given me my voice, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna claim what I claim, and I want others to see what I claim and know what I claim, and if others don't, guess what? It's that's kind of what. That's kind of what right. I said. Like the world's not, you're not supposed to look like the world. You're supposed to look different. So when it treats you different and it looks different, why are we surprised and so quick to say, oh, woe is me when there are actual people in different countries and countries where the gospel can, is essentially illegal who are losing their lives and losing friends and church members and other believers. And yet we kind of ignorantly claim persecution when that's just, that's just not right. I, I understand a little bit the argument of the slippery slope and how, you know, in, in, in my lifetime, it was really common for, you know, in front of the Gadsden City Hall there to be a nativity scene. And it feels like things are different and we're sliding down that slippery slope right. toward persecution. But um, corporation choosing um, to not be openly Christian is not persecution. Because on that same right, a corporation choosing to be openly Christian is also that corporation's right. right. So if, if it really makes you mad, don't go to Starbucks, get your coffee from the Lord's Chicken right. House. Go to, yeah, go to Lord's Chicken House, go to Hebrews Cafe and Hope Fluff. <laughs> I mean, like, go to, go to an establishment that, that if they are open about their morals and what they stand for, then go support them. Like, right. that's, that's, that's what you, that's America in countries that, that you have those kind of rights. Like, go, part, go use your rights that have been given to you. So you've got underneath the throne all the souls of those who have died for the faith. They've asked God how long he says, just a little while, this angel says, the waiting's over. It's cool that we're going back and because and, you, you, you see all the confusing stuff in Revelation, but when you read it and take the time to go through it, which we're hopefully kind of being the middleman for you guys and doing that, that you see some of those things be referenced back. It's like, oh, okay, this, well, this, this is not that confusing. He just said it earlier. We just got to know where he said right. it and have record of that. Right, right. So a after he says that, um, he says there'll be no more delay, uh, but that in 
the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh trumpet, the mystery of God would be fulfilled just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. And so I think, okay, so where we sit today in the year 2020, looking backwards, it's easy for us to, to look at um, the, the arc of God's story and forget that, that Paul defines the gospel as that Jesus came according to the scripture, that he died according to the scripture, that he was raised according to the scripture, and that he's coming back according to the scripture. And so that mystery that is fully going to be fulfilled, that second coming, that God, Jesus reigning, as the prophet said, the, the throne of David would not, would last forever, which if I'm a Jewish theologian in the year 400 BC, that doesn't make any sense. Right. Because Jerusalem is, has been destroyed by the uh -huh. Syria, by the Babylonians. The Assyrians have taken over Babylon. Yeah, we're able to come back, but there's still not a king. You can go to Jerusalem today. There's no palace. Right. There is no king. Uh, in Israel. There, there is no temple. All of the, the things that we see kind of partially fulfilled. Now Israel's a nation. Things are coming together. We're seeing the, the rope being made and woven together. But once the seven trumpets gets blown, Jesus comes back and begins to rule. All of it's going to be fulfilled. All of the Bible's going to be complete. And I would even go as far as to say all of human history will be complete in that it will have been woven in such a way that brings God the maximum amount of glory. And yeah, and some of these things come together. Again, like you said, uh, Jesus is coming back and, and the new heaven, the new earth, and that's a mystery to all of us. Even heaven now, the present heaven, is still sort of mysterious to us because, I mean, we have an idea of what that looks like. But again, we have really have... No, we really have no clue that we can that exactly what that's going to be. There's the wrath of God, and this this particular kind of wrath of God, no one has ever seen. There's mystery in that. God and Jesus is judge and making that happen and judging the earth and those kind of things. Like there's still even in this time where a lot of things have transpired, we're still working up to the crescendo of all humankind and human nature of figuring out all of who God is because that's been something like you said that has been withheld from us because we're not God. We don't as much as we try, we can't play God and can't and can't feel those shoes but as this is climaxing and getting closer and closer to the end all of these things of God that have beforehand been a mystery are becoming to be revealed right 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 so then the voice and it seems like we're, we're shifting gears here because we have this voice like a, a, a lion the waiting's over it's about to be fulfilled and then he it, you know Again, in my mind, I can't get the, the Hanna-Barbera idea of this angel <laughs> looking down and going, all right, here, eat this book. And so he hands John the book. Go take the book that is open in the hand of the angel who, who is standing on the sea in the land. And so I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll. Again, John went up to this huge cloud coming hey! angel and said, hey, hey, give me, give me that. Give like, me the book. No, I would, there's no way. So, well, he does. He, he does. He does. And the not. angel goes, here you go. Here's the book. Eat it. So John takes the book and he eats it. And uh, it is sweet as honey in my mouth. And then when I had eat it, my stomach was made bitter. And then I was told, you must again prophesy about the many peoples and nations and language and kings. So let's talk a little bit about the symbolism here, because this whole transaction is just rife with symbolism. So we had the the title deed to earth in the hand of this huge angel that's got one foot on 
England, the other foot in the middle of the mid-Atlantic. Uh, John walks up to him and goes, hey. And the angel says, yeah, what? And he's, give me the book. And so he's got this little book, and I'm just picturing, you know, trying to hold a teeny. Again, how big was it to begin with? And then by the time John gets to it, how small? Like, does it change? I don't know. I, I can I hear the know. sound as he comes. So the angel hands John the book. John eats it. As he first eats it, it's the bomb. It's like he's got candy here. It tastes like honey. It's it's really, really good. It's that red velvet cake you like. Oh, the, the Susie Wayne's red it's velvet cake. Well, in in first century, one of the things that they would do is take fruit, dry it, dip it in honey, and make kind of like like chewy, I guess fruit roll-up kind of. Yeah, 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 kind of fruity taffy kind of thing-ish. So he, he he bites into this. It's the bomb. He wants some more. Uh, there, there's, uh, there's a man here in the church that, and it, you know what? No matter where you go to church, you have a man in your church that walks around and passes out candy. 100%, if not multiple men. I mean, it is a it is almost a requirement to, to maintain your, your license as a Baptist church that yeah. you have to identify the two or three men that with, walk around with, with... Lifesavers that are older than the kids that he's handing <laughs> to. <laughs> Smarties. Um, some of those, those Worthers. Those little, the little strawberry things that don't taste like strawberries. Yes. Yeah, they've got the picture of the strawberry. Yeah, yes, yeah, I know yeah, exactly yeah. what you're talking about. You're like, what? What is this? Well, it's kind of like grape flavoring. Doesn't taste anything like grapes. No, what? No, no. Artificial grape flavoring has its very own flavor, and I don't know what it is, but it's, it's not, not grape. It's not even close to grape. I, banana is the same way. The only one that tastes like grapes is like maybe you feel like well, white grape things. So that kind of that, if you see something that's white grape, that I've never be, had a white grape candy. It's not candy, but like the like the white grape juice or stuff like oh, that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Those kind of things. Okay, okay. I can see I can see grapes here, like uh, a grape Jolly Rancher. I don't know what that is. No, that is not. I, I mean, it's is. good. I'm not. Not knocking no, it. I'm I just like saying. It. I like. In fact, one of my favorite artificial flavors is banana, and it tastes nothing like a banana. I like Grapeco. I do. It's a Southern thing, Alabama. If you haven't had one, it's cool. You need to get one. Oh, absolutely. Grapeco is good. It does not taste like grapes. No, nothing like a grape. If you were to give me a box of runts right now from that like that <laughs> that dollar bin at at uh, Walmart where they've got runts, I will go through and pick the the uh, bananas out. Yep. Heartbeat. Yeah. And then give the rest of them to my kids. <laughs> Okay, so he eats it. It tastes good on his mouth. It's the bomb. And then once it get, hits his stomach, he feels like he's going to throw up. It's uh-huh. sour on his stomach. Now, what in the world is this symbolizing? And if you just think for a minute, you know exactly what's going on here. Because we've said this the whole time we've been talking through the book of Revelation. It's amazing how we see that God is in control. The, the, it's like watching your team win. And so, yay, the, the, all of the bad things that's happened across human history, God is riding the scales. Justice is being served. And then you start seeing the body count. You start, and, and I will say I've read articles written by non-Christians that criticize us and say, oh, they, they talk all the time about, hey, Lord, come back and all this stuff. If you really read in the book of Revelation, that is not a happy time. We get that it's not a happy time, and that's exactly what's being described here, is that John is saying, on the one hand, yes, God wins. Yay, everything's being made right. Everyone who's done everybody wrong is going to get justice. On the other hand, uh, if I read a third one more time. Well, it's constantly the, the heart of God shown in Revelation is 
please, for all that is good in the world, for all that has been done through Christ, for what, please repent. Yes. Please stop sinning. Please stop sinning. As you're going to see next chapter, for a certain amount of time, there is these individuals who say, please stop sinning. Please stop doing the things that you're doing. And, and you see that constantly. You, you see those moments happen all throughout Scripture. The Old Testament, John the Baptist, what's he say? Repent. He says, right. stop sinning. That's been the message all throughout Scripture and the message that conveyed so heavily and clearly in Revelation is that, and that's, again, uh, the conversation that you walk up to somebody and say, hey, you know all that bad stuff you're doing? Yeah, stop doing that. That's not a good conversation. Right. It's awkward. It, it's, there's just this tension there. It's heavy. It's never, hey, all that, all that stuff you got caught doing or that you think you, you're not caught doing that, that we know you're doing, that I know you're doing, yeah, stop doing that. Those aren't fun conversations. Mm -mm. And just from the, all the, and that's aside from all the actual physical turmoil that's going on here, it's not bitter as, as possibly an understatement. Yeah, it's not bitter. I mean, it's not good at all. Yes. And so we know what's being talked about here in that um, everybody knows that the, the end game for a believer is that we, we get heaven. Mm -hmm. um, if we are doing our job and we are not holding to this earth too tightly, Maranatha, Lord come quickly, should be on our lips every day. Absolutely. On the other hand, uh, just about every believer at one time or the other has thought in their mind, what about this person that I love that died? And as far as I know, they never got saved. For me, that always hits home when, you know, family members start getting sick or those kind of things happen. It's, and and it, shouldn't, it shouldn't take those kind of circumstances. But for me, like just putting that out there and confessing, it's, you know what, what if this family member that I love that I've known my whole life, they may not know Jesus. Like, I'm not, I'm not sure whether it be me looking at their fruit or whatever. I'm not sure that this family member that I love knows Jesus. And that's tough. Recently, my granddad got really, really, really sick and had some and stuff develop and, and like an ACL and he's, you know, in his late seventies and early eighties. And, and it's, 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 those, anytime those things kind of happen, it get, it, you get that realization of, okay, this, this clock is, is that time's winding down because, you know, things are breaking down. And, and for me, it was, you know, does, does my, does my, which I call him Papa, does my Papa know Jesus? Like, does, the, does my Papa know Jesus and love Jesus? He's a good old boy to the T, but there's going to be a lot of good old boys who aren't in heaven. And I'm not, you know, I'm not the judger of my, of my granddad's salvation. That's who Jesus is. But for me to know, does my, does my granddad know Jesus? Man, those kind of conversations and thought processes are tough. They're hard. So we are living out exactly what John is saying, that yeah. it's sweet. Um, it's awesome to see that in the end that God's going to work it all out. But on the other hand, um, I think this should motivate us, especially as we're coming into a holiday season as we record this. Uh, as you're around those people that you love, as those people know, t tell them you have found the cure. It's not a proudful thing to say, hey, I know better than you. I'm smarter than you. I figured this out. It's more like if you had some terminal disease and somehow the, the, the maker of the cure found you and gave it to you and said, just give this to anybody else who has it. Yeah. You're going to run around and say, ah, I've got Abs the cure. Absolutely. It's not that we're super smart. It's not that we're better than anybody. Lord knows um, God should not have saved me. I did, I've done nothing to deserve it. 
But as you come into the holiday season, take this as an opportunity to humbly, lovingly uh, proclaim Jesus in everything that you do. Again, you can find, you, I, I, just like I said I, earlier, that I, I, I find a lot of my time worrying about things that I shouldn't worry about and sometimes worrying about things that seem like they're important enough to worry about. But to know and have rest and have peace in, again, I know who Jesus is. And so if my loved ones, my friends, or even if, you know, Mrs. Joe Blow or Joe Blow off the street to know that that person who didn't know Jesus before now has a, a, a thriving and, and walking relationship with him. You know what? Again, that's something else that I can find a peace in and I need more peace in my life. Amen. And, and we can get that through Jesus and by sharing his word and the gospel with other people who don't know him. Absolutely. So we, we conclude chapter 10 by saying you must again prophesy about many peoples, nations, and languages and kings. And next week we're going to see... Um, the, the mercy of God in sending someone to proclaim uh, the truth of the gospel. And so uh, in, until next week, go serve your king. Thank you guys again for joining us on this week's episode of Not Another Revelation Podcast. You can join us live in person each Sunday at North Plinko Baptist Church at 10 a.m. Or you can go to our website, northplinko.org, to watch our live stream or check out our other podcasts, ministry information, past sermons, and past worship service. Thank you guys for tuning in.